Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, guest speaker Billy Shogra shares a message entitled, Life Outside of Sunday. Billy looks at the sin in our lives and how we deal with it. Though it is a challenging message, Billy reminds us about the redemption and forgiveness offered in Jesus Christ. Good morning, good morning. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you guys are here. I hope you had a good Christmas and, and had a good New Year. I wish uh, 2012 to you, which is just weird saying. Um, but anyway, I just, uh, I'm blessed and humbled and, and just thankful for the opportunity to share with you guys what God lays on my heart um, and what he's laid on my heart and what he's done in my life. Um, but I, I really, I'm really passionate and really jacked up about what I'm sharing this morning because it's personal to me. And it's really what God has done in my life and, and what he's used to change my life. And, and the one thing that I realized is that... Um, a church service doesn't change a city, and, and, and it doesn't matter how good our band is or how good our speaker is. A church service doesn't change a city. It's, it's a group of believers like, like y'all going out, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and, and, and spreading the gospel. And, and, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. That's what I'm pumped up about is, is this idea of what the Holy Spirit's work in your life looks like. And I, and I want to start off a little different, and I want to, um, I want to kind of make it personal. Um, and, and I want to take a moment because it's so easy to come in and come in a place like this, a church with, with a lot of people and, and just make it about somebody else, make it about somebody to your right or somebody to your left or who you came with or your spouse or your kids or whoever. But, but I just want to take a moment and I want you guys to, to just take a second to pray and, and pray that God would speak to you as an individual and, and pray that he would open your heart up for what he has to tell you this morning and, and, and I just want to take a moment to do that. So take a second and just pray to God and ask him that he would open your heart and share with you. Well, God, I just thank you for, for this morning, Lord, and I thank you for, for all of these people that you've brought here, God. Um, Lord, I know you say where you're lifted up, God, that, that, that you change people's lives, God. So I pray that this morning, God, that we wouldn't come in here and, and worry about somebody else or who's to the left or who's to the right of us, God, but that you would speak directly to our hearts. This morning, you would speak directly to my heart, God, that you would change lives because you say when your Holy, Holy Spirit empowers us that, that lives are changed, God, and we want to go from here as a church empowered by the Holy Spirit and see a movement that, that shakes Statesboro, God, that... that that is bigger than a church service, God, that's bigger than just Sunday, that's something way bigger, God, that, that only you can do through your work, God. So I pray that you come right now and you speak to our heart, God. So we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I kind of want to start here with, with an, um, one of the cool things about working in the ministry. I, I've worked, I worked with FCA for three years before I came on staff at the church, and, and now I work at a church. And the cool thing about it is, is when you get to talk to people, the question always comes up, of course, it's like, hey, how you doing? My name's Billy. Uh, usually the second question is, how are you doing or something like that? And, and you get past that. And finally you get to a question. It's like, okay, well, you know, I'd see you're not in college anymore. So, so what do you do? What, what's your profession or whatever? And the cool thing is I get to say, well, you know, I work at, I'm a college pastor at, at a local church in Statesboro. I get to brag on you guys a little bit. And, and usually depending on who you're talking to, there's usually an awkward silence after that because it's like, okay, I don't know what to say. I'm sitting here talking to a preacher or, you know, it's, it, there's two different ways that, that you can approach it, but there's usually an awkward silence, but that awkward silence gives me a great opportunity to ask a question because I personally like awkward silence. Um, and, 
the question that I usually ask after that is, are you a believer or are you a Christian? And, and kind of where I want to start today is how people answer that question and the misconceptions today that we have of what it means to be a Christian. And, and there, there's a variety of different answers that you get. And, and one of the, I just got some favorites, so I'll share them with you guys. Um, so the first one is, are you a Christian? Immediately people go to the past. No question. Everybody always shifts to the past. It always happens. They're always saying, well, I go to church at so-and-so. Or my personal favorite, my grandma was a member of so-and-so Baptist church uh, when they put the stones down in 1965 or something like that. Or maybe it's um, while I was baptized when I was six years old. Um, I walked down the aisle, prayed a prayer, got baptized when I was six. Or maybe it's it's this idea of, of a camp experience. I went to this camp uh, when I was eight, and, and I was just on an emotional high, and I made this decision, and da 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 and and started talking about this. It's, it's always, I did this, or I do this, but kind of what I want to talk about this morning is not a past decision that you've made, or a past of something, because here's what I know, is that all of the authenticity and the realness of a past decision you've made is always proven by God's work in your life right now. And what I want to talk about today in your life personally is what that work of God in your life looks like right now. And, and I don't want to talk about the past or anything that's happened in the past. What I want to talk about is, is right now. And, I, and here's the one thing I know is that God promises that at true salvation, he says when you've heard the gospel, you've heard that God is holy, man is sinful, and that Jesus came and died to reconcile you back to a holy God where your sin separated you. And when you've, you've repented, you've confessed your sin, repented and believed, he says that you are saved, right? Romans 10, 9, that's what it says. It says that confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and you will be saved. Another thing that he always says is that we receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. And the thing about this gift of the Holy Spirit is this Holy Spirit does not leave us. We, we get this concept of the Holy Spirit is, is given a little bit at the time or either... God gives us a little bit of the Holy Spirit at this one moment and then takes a little bit away. Or maybe we get this concept that maybe the Holy Spirit is not a permanent indwelling in our life, but it is. The problem is, is that in Philippians 1, 6, it says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. So I want to talk about this work of the Holy Spirit um, in your life. And, and the title up here is Life Outside of Sunday. And, and that goes along with the process of it's really easy to come in here on Sunday and, and put up a front or put on an image like you got it all together. Um, but what I want you to know is, is that your life Monday through Saturday is a better reflection of God's work in your life than it is when you're in here on Sunday because it's super easy to come in here and worship the Lord on Sunday. You got surrounded by believers. You're surrounded by people that are either here to hear about Jesus or, or they're here. They don't care. But what I want you to know is that your life outside of Sunday is a way better indication of the strength of your relationship with God. And, and kind of where I want to go, and just to give you a synopsis of what I'm going to do, is I want to talk about the importance of the Holy Spirit, and I want to talk about why it's such a big deal in our life, and then I want to go to what the work of the Holy Spirit looks like in our life. So why I said I want to make this personal is I want you to, to hold yourself up in the light of this, and do you feel this work going on at all? And, and I want to start here with... Um, why the Holy Spirit is a big deal, and I'm going to use some verses to, to show you guys. So if um, they're going to be on the screen, I'm going to roll through them pretty fast so you don't have to turn to your Bible 
right now. Um, all right, so the first one is Ephesians 1, verses 13 through 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. First, first thing, guarantee of our inheritance. What is the Holy Spirit? The guarantee of our inheritance. We're sealed with it. First John 3.24, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. How do we know that we abide in God? By the spirit whom he's given us. You, however, uh, this is Romans 8.9, you, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his Holy Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So the first thing I want us to see is that the Holy Spirit is huge in our life. It is the true sign of a believer. God says it is the seal of our inheritance. It is everything. It's how if, if we were cattle, of course we're not, it would be the stick that they brand us in with. The seal of our inheritance in Christ Jesus is the Holy Spirit at work in our life. So it is a huge deal. Every believer has to have it. And this idea of, who's heard of the term game changer in an athletic event? Game changer. All right, so this term game changer is, is a term that's used in sports a lot. And it's an idea of a player that's on the field. And it doesn't matter if he's on offense, defense, whatever he's doing, basketball court. He has the power to change the outcome of the game in one play. He's that good. Maybe you think of somebody like Michael Jordan taking a last shot. Who do you want to take the last shot? You want Michael Jordan to take the last shot. Maybe you think of football, uh, maybe somebody like Herschel Walker. If he touches the ball, guess what? He's got an opportunity to go 90 and score. AP, Adrian Peterson from Georgia Southern, maybe you think of him. If he's on the field, we got a shot. It don't matter who we're playing. Or, or maybe you want to bring it to even better days. Probably most of you know the guy as, they call him the honey badger. And most people don't even know his real name. His name's Tyron Matthew. He plays defensive back for LSU. They call him the honey badger. It doesn't matter where he's at. He plays defense. He has the ability to change a game in one play. And no matter what game you're in. You just watch him. He, he, he finds ways to give his team a shot. And what, what I want you to know is that that's what the Holy Spirit is in the life of a believer. It's a game changer. It changes everything. It changes everything you do. Think about it like this. It changes, Ezekiel 36, 26 says that God gives us a new heart. What the Holy Spirit does when it comes in our life, it says it gives us a new heart where God takes out the old heart of stone and he puts in a new heart that has his commandments and decrees written on it. It changes our desires. It, it changes our desires from... Before Christ, our desires are me, 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 me. How can I glorify myself? How can I follow myself? Whatever feels good, whatever, whatever satisfies myself, that's what, what I'm going to do. When the Holy Spirit comes in your life, your desire now has switched to how can I glorify God in everything that I do? How can I be like Christ? Maybe think about it more like this. It changes your joy. Your joy, where your joy used to be, what feels good to me, what is better for me, what is better for me, whatever it is, that was your joy before Christ. When, you're, when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, the joy of your life is bringing glory to God. And, and you can feel it. It's a change that you can feel. And think about it like this. you got the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
Three distinct persons in one. They're all the same. Think about it like this. The Holy Spirit, when it's promised to come into your life, it is Jesus Christ living inside of you. Don't you know when Jesus Christ comes to live inside of your life, it brings new desires. It brings desires like that of Jesus. God wouldn't just say, hey, go be like Jesus without anything to be like Jesus. He sends us the Holy Spirit and he says, I'm going to change your desires. And, and, and is Christ living inside of you. So ask yourself the question, are there any desires inside of me that are anything like Jesus? And, and that's a, just a good question to ask yourself. It, think about it like this. In everything you do, if your desire is to glorify God because you realize your highest joy comes from bringing him glory, then it changes everything you do. How would that change maybe your marriage? How would that change? What, what does your marriage look like when your marriage is intended to glorify God or your marriage is intended for people to look at your marriage and say, that's how Christ loved the church. How would it change your friendships? If your friendships are intended to glorify God, when your friend does something that just pisses you off or, or screws you over or whatever happens, you don't love them because they, they deserve to be loved. You love them because Christ first loved you. And you love them because you realize you were that person to God. And, and God says, Romans 5, 8, that why you were that person, he sent his son to die for you. So, so everything about you changes. Everything, everything is now about glorifying God. How would it change maybe your small groups? Think about the small groups that you're in at the church. What if everybody that came to the small group had a like desire to be like Christ or glorify Christ? How would that change your conversation in your small group? How would that change everything you talk about? Think about how it would change the way you spend your finances. How would it change money? How would it change if everything you did, God, how can I glorify you in the way I spend my money? Everything about you changes. It's a game changer, I'm telling you. And, and my favorite is, how does it change a church? How does the Holy Spirit empowering the lives of all of these people in the church, how does it change the way we church? When we come together, it's no longer about me. It's about how can we glorify God and how can we reach people far from God? So it's not this idea of like, coming to church to be served or coming to church to, to rate the service, how good the music is or how good the, the preacher is. It's this idea of like, I bring people to church because I want to get them reached with God. So what can we do to reach these people with God? Your whole mindset shifts. And, and I want you to ask yourself um, this question is, is maybe you'd ask the question, Billy, how do I know if I have this spirit in me? And what I would tell you to do is, is you have to get personal. You have to get honest with yourself and you have to say, have my desires changed? Is my desire at the bottom of who, if, at the bottom of who I am to glorify God in everything that I do? Is there a desire inside of me to do the things that Jesus did? Is there a desire inside of me to be like Christ? And, and you have to be honest with yourself because I know for one thing that God would rather you have the spirit today then he would, you come to a million church services and come in here and sit in here and act like you got it all together and, and that nothing's happening because the work that God wants to do in your life is dependent on this Holy Spirit. And, and, and we have to have it and it changes everything. So just be thinking about that. So what I want to talk to you about today um, comes from 1 John. So if you want to turn to 1 John, um, you can. Not the Gospel of John. Go back a couple books, uh, two books for Revelation. All the way to First John chapter one. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Um, so First John one five through nine. 
Here's what he says. This is the message we have heard. This is John talking. He said, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So this is the passage that I want to break down. First John goes through, basically it's showing what the life of a true believer looks at, looks at and what the work of the spirit in your life looks like. And I want to kind of jump from now we know why the Holy Spirit is such a big deal because it is how God marks us. It is the sign of a true believer. This work has to be going on in your life. And I just want to kind of give you an example of what the work of the Spirit looks like in your life. And, and what he goes into First John, he starts talking about is this walking in the light. Basically what walking in the light is, is, is walking in fellowship with God, walking with God, pursuing Christ, uh, having fellowship with, with one another, Christians, believers together. And what he says is, is a lot of people would take this and say, say, oh, walking in the light, that means walking a life of perfection, right? That means if I'm a Christian, I got to do, everything I do is, is always right. And what I would say to you is, is look, how, how do you relate walking in the light with going directly into, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. And what I want you to see is there's a direct correlation between walking in the light and recognizing the sin in your life and responding to that sin in your life. So that's what I want to talk about the rest of the time is how we recognize and respond to the sin in our life and how the Holy Spirit within us does this work throughout our lives. Um, and, and I want to break these two down pretty much. I'll, I'll break it down to, to um, pretty thick. So the first thing I want to talk about is the recognition of sin in your life. And, and maybe you're sitting here thinking like, hold up, Billy. So you're telling me uh, the walking with Jesus means that I see how screwed up I am more than I was before I knew Christ. And I would say, yes, absolutely. The, the more you walk with Christ, the more you figure out he's up here and you're down here. He's holy and you're not. And the more respect you get for the cross that fills in that gap. So here's what I want to talk about. I want to hit it from three angles. How do we recognize the sin in our life? Why is sin being revealed in our life a good thing? And how, how do how do you know when you are aware of the sin in your life? So I'm going to hit it from three angles, all bouncing all around from everywhere. All right, so the first thing is, how do we recognize the sin in our life? And here, I'll start with this. How I know personally when I'm walking with Jesus and that when I'm walking in the light is when I'm recognizing the sin in my life and when my response time to that sin is limited down. So the question is not, Billy, are you not going to sin? The question is, when you sin, how are you going to react to it? And, and so that's where I want to hit it. So the first thing is, how do we recognize the sin in our life? And I would say one, one of the main ways is that through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. God gives us this Holy Spirit we've been talking about. It's a desire to be like Christ. It's a desire to glorify Christ. So guess what? Every time we do something that does not glorify Christ or is not like Christ, this Holy Spirit inside of us, convicts us of this, of whatever we're doing that doesn't glorify Christ, because now our desire is to glorify Christ. So anything that we do that doesn't glorify Christ is not who we are anymore, right? When the Holy Spirit comes in, that's the cool thing about the work of the Holy Spirit is it makes Christianity not just something we do, it makes it who we are. 
So it makes Christianity not just something that we do. We go to church, we do this or we do this, we do this. No, it changes our desires to want to be like Christ, to make it who we are. Hence, life outside of Sunday. The Holy Spirit's work never stops. It's not just a thing that goes on on Sunday. It's a thing that goes on all the way. So the first one, conviction of the Holy Spirit. The second one is um, holding our lives up in the light of Scripture. So, so when we're reading Scripture, do we read it like James says? Are we reading Scripture in the light of who we are? So are we reading Scripture over here and saying, God, okay, this is what you say my life should look like. This is what my life looks like. God, I want my life to look like that because the desire of my heart is to be like you. So it's like a passage in 1 John that says, if anybody in the world has the need or has, has possessions in the world and sees his brother in need and doesn't give him what he needs, how can the love of the Father be in him? So do we read that passage and say, I have, I'm, I'm, the Lord's blessed me right now, I have this money, but I see my brother in need over here and he's not doing anything, so I'm not giving him any I'm not giving him what he needs. So it's this idea of how am I reading that scripture and saying, God, I want to be like that because you say, how can the love of the Father exist in you if I see my brother in need and I'm not helping him? So it's this idea of reading scripture and upholding it to your life and applying this third way. Our third way is accountability. So accountability is this idea of having a friend in your life and um, or either some brothers in your life that together alike, y'all both have this desire to glorify Christ or have this desire to be like Christ. And it changes everything because where usually my friendships in the past are pretty surface level. I mean, there's never any, I mean, football's the talk. That's all we talk about. So it's all right. You want to go play football? All right, let's go. You know, you want to play NCAA? Sure. Everything revolves around that. But when you get these brothers in Christ, it brings two people of different backgrounds, like one of my best friends in Christ, we have nothing in common. We, I mean, he likes to do things that he likes to do, and I like sports, and I like doing all my things. But you know what brings us together? Is a desire to be like Christ, a desire to glorify Christ. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that he's on his grind doing his thing for the Lord, and I'm on my grind doing my thing for the Lord. And when we come together, guess what? We know that our life joy is is in bringing God glory or is in desiring Christ. So it changes our conversation. Now our conversation is is more like, okay, Billy, I understand that your desire is to be like Christ. Your desire is to glorify God in everything that you do. So when he sees something in my life that's not glorifying to the Lord or is not a desire to be like Christ, he's like, dude, you know, I know that your desire is to be like Christ. So this is, you know, something I see in your life. Like what's going on? Like, how's it going? You know what I'm saying? So it's this idea of a brotherhood bonded together with the fact that we are going to glorify Christ and, and, and do that. So accountability is the third one. Next question, why is sin being revealed in our life a good thing? So maybe you'd ask the question, Billy, this just sounds like a heavy, not fun topic to deal with. And, and I would say this, that sin being revealed in your life is a very good thing because it goes back to your desire. If your desire is to be like Christ, sin keeps you from being like Christ. So guess what? you almost pray for conviction of the sin in your life so that, so that that desire can be fulfilled to be like Christ. The second, second way is it keeps us focused on the gospel. And, and this is my favorite one of all is, is I hear people coming to church all the time, not just this church, but churches all around, and they say like, man, all y'all do is preach the gospel. Like, I want something deeper. Give me something thick. Like, I want to learn about something that really doesn't matter. And I want to learn about something that's super deep. Here's what I'd say. When you're recognizing the sin in your life, 
you want to hear the gospel. It's this idea of the only time we get tired of hearing the gospel is when we forget our need for it. And as long as we're recognizing the sin in our life, guess what we have a need for? The gospel. And guess who means everything to us? Jesus. And I ask myself the question all the time of like, God, why wouldn't you just, when you save me and when you start, why wouldn't you just remove all the sin from my life where all I have to do is glorify you, where nothing gets in the way of that? And it's this idea of God wants us to keep, keep us dependent on him. He, he wants us to be dependent on him because that is the best place to be for him to use you. And then the, the third way is um, why sin is being revealed in your life is a good thing is that it helps us relate to non-believers in humility and boldness. Um, and I'd say this, when you're talking to non-believers, it's way easier to talk to people and way easier to relate to people when you realize that the only difference between you and them is Jesus Christ in your life. And the only difference between you and them is that you have Christ in you. And it's way easier to talk to people when you're not up on a pedestal or a religious high and looking down on people and saying, oh, I got it all together. You need to change this, 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 this. No, it's this idea of when you read the gospel, you're recognizing the sin in your life and recognizing it and it creates humble boldness because you have no room to boast in yourself because it's this constant process of God recognize, you recognizing the sin in your life, giving it over to God, and, and boasting in him because of what he did in the, on the cross for us. So it's this idea we can relate to nonbelievers the best because we're sinners saved by grace. So we have something to talk about with them because we are them except for the fact that we have Christ working in our life. And he gives an open door for, the, for him to do the same thing um, in their life. All right, so the last side I want to hit of it is um, how do I know, Billy, how do you know when you're aware of the sin in your life? And, and if you have a pen, write these down. These are, are very personal questions to me, and, and this is really how I know when I'm walking with God and how I'm, I'm aware of the sin in my life. And um, so, so ask yourself these questions. So how do you know when you're recognizing the sin in your life? The first one is, are you more aware of the sin in your own life or the sins of others? So it's this idea of, are you more aware when you're looking around at people, are you more aware that what they're doing wrong? Are you more aware of, of what you're struggling with and what God's doing in your own life? So it's this idea of like, when I start focusing on other people, when I start looking at other people and noticing everything wrong with their life, guess what I have a tendency to do? Step up on this religious pedestal and be looking down at everybody like, I got it together because, of course, humans, we're going to pick somebody who's way worse than us to compare. At least I ain't like that guy. You know what I'm saying? So it's this idea of how I know when I'm aware of the sin in my life is, is, is when I'm aware of my sin more than I'm aware of the sins of others. Second question, when you read the Bible... Are you reading it and applying it to your own life and thinking of your own life? Or are you reading it and applying it to the lives of others? And this is a huge struggle and huge thing for me is I get to this point where like I start reading the Bible and instead of me jumping into my mind of what I need to change, guess who jumps into my mind? Other people. Like, why does he like that? Or why is she like this? Or why are they doing this? And, and how I know that is... When I'm reading the Bible and I'm walking with the Lord, he's talking to me. When I have my time with God, he's talking to me. And why is that important? Because 
here's what I'd say. If God's not doing in anything in your life and God's not convicting you of your sin and not doing anything in your life, you don't have a ministry. Your only ministry is an overflow of what God's doing in your own life and the Holy Spirit and the work that he's doing in your own life. The last one is um, does getting to know the Lord more and more lead you to a cocky arrogance or to a humble boldness? So does getting to know the Lord more and more lift you up on a pedestal or does it create humility in your life and, and make your boast only in Christ? So, so it's this idea of as you walk with the Lord and, and, and when you first come to know the Lord, your view of, of the cross and what Jesus did and God is very, very small. So it's this idea is as you get to know the Lord more and more through his word, through preaching, through, through all of these things that we get to know the Lord, we get to see that God is holy and, and we're not. Not at all. We're different. Like we get to know who God is and guess what? It shows us that we're not like him at all. And it's this idea of the more and more I get to know God, the more and more glorified he becomes and the more sinful that I see I am. But what does that leave room for to fill in this middle hole? The cross, right? So the bigger, the more I get to know God, the more I get to know who myself truly is, the more honor, the more glory, the more thankful I am for what Jesus did on the cross. And that's what the work of the spirit does in our life. Because here's what I tell you is what one of Satan's biggest tools right now, not only in my life, but I feel like in the life of of the church and the life of, of people around me is this idea of if he can get your attention off your walk with Christ and he can get your attention off what God's doing in your own life, he's got you exactly where you want. He wants you because literally if, if God's not doing anything in your life, you don't have a ministry. Like you have nothing if, you know, think about it like this. If, if Brandon gets up, Brandon gets up here and preaches every week. He's not just coming up with stuff off the side of his head. He's preaching what God has convicted him of or, or whoever else is up here. It's this idea of if God's not doing anything in your own life, you really don't have nothing to talk about. So it's this idea of, of keeping the attention on your own relationship with God and letting your ministry be an overflow of, of what that is in your life. Um, all right, so that's recognizing the sin in your life. Hopefully that, that is going on. So ask yourself the question, is there any process of recognizing sin going on in your life? Um, and then the next one is how do we respond to this sin once it's in our life? And I'll tell you this, as a believer, how we respond to the sin in our life tells us more about our relationship with God than anything else. So w- when sin when we recognize sin in our life or God convicts us of the sin in our life, how we respond to that sin tells us more about our relationship with God than any other thing. I'm convinced of that. And, and it's this idea of there's two options once sin is recognized in your life and once God convicts you of, of sin in your life. The first one is you can continue to walk in it. And, and God leaves that on the table. You can continue to walk in the sin. But... Here's the idea. It goes all the way back to the essence of what sin is, all the way back in Genesis in the garden. It's this idea of, God, I know that you're the Lord of my life and that you say that you're good and that you created me and you know my purpose, but I know better for right now. This is going to feel good to me right now. This is going to be good for me right now. And those thoughts start circulating around me instead of how can I glorify God and what you do is or what I do when I sin is I take God off of this throne of my life say God you have control of my life step right here for a second and I'm gonna come sit down and I'm gonna control my life 
And, and that's the essence of sin. That's what we have to think about. Sin's not just a decision to do this. It's saying, God, I know you say that you're the Lord of my life and that you are the Lord of my life, but I know better and I want to be the Lord of my life. So it's, it's, it's all the way back to questioning God's goodness. Is he good? Yes, he's always good. And, and, and 1 John 3, 9 says it better than anything. Um, listen to this. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. That word practice means habitually practicing it. So it's this idea of no one born of God makes a habitual practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him. Guess what God's seed is? The Holy Spirit. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. So it's this idea of when the Holy Spirit is in your life, it should be completely miserable to walk in sin because like we said when the holy spirit is in your life it changes your desires it changes your heart it changes everything so it's this idea of sin being over here and and god being over here and when you come to this crossroads in your life you look to the right and you're like okay i can walk in this sin god or i can follow you because the thing about it is is when you can't follow sin and god it's on two sides of the spectrum. So it's this idea of I either got to turn this way and walk towards sin, which leaves what to God? My back. So I'm turning my back on God and saying, I'm going to follow this sin. Or I turn my back on the sin and I walk towards God. So there's, there, there's an idea of, of how that goes on. And here's the idea. When the Holy Spirit makes Christianity and a desire to be like Christ who you are, then just like when you were a non-believer, and you were following the desires of your flesh, all you did was walk in what satisfies you. So everything that satisfied you was about me, 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 me. So everything I did revolved around this circle of what satisfies me. The thing about it is, when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, it's this idea of my joy is to glorify God. So now, every time I walk this way, everything's about glorifying God, glorifying God, glorifying God. And we know when it's not. And, and when we're walking and, and we're circling around me with the Holy Spirit in our life, it's miserable because it's not who we are anymore. That's the cool thing about the Holy Spirit. It doesn't just leave. When you leave on Sunday, the Holy Spirit is a continual work throughout your life. And everything from now on is about glorifying God because your true joy comes from that glorifying of God. So the first thing is you can continue to walk in that sin. The second thing is the second option when sin is revealed in our life is confession, repentance, and forgiveness. And it's this idea of confession just means um, to acknowledge God's perspective of sin or to look at it as he does. So it's this idea of looking at it like we talked about. It's looking at it as not just a decision we make, but an idea to say, God, I know you're the Lord of my life. You're on the throne of my life. I'm going to take you off, and I'm going to sit in it because I know better than you. So you're questioning God's goodness. You're saying, Lord, I know you say this is good, and you died on the cross for me, and you did all this stuff. You created me. You know what's best for me. But right now, guess what? I know better than you do. So I'm taking you off of that, and I'm sitting down on it because I know better. And it's making you the Lord of your life instead of God the Lord of your life. So change that whole view of sin in your life. That, that did more for me than anything I think that anybody's ever told me when I figured out that a decision to sin is more than just, hey, I'll do this and repent later. No, it's this idea of, God, I know what you did for me on the cross. I know that you died for me. I know that you gave me life, but you're not good enough. I'm taking you off the throne of my life, and I'm going to sit in it because I know better. It's blasphemy. That's, that's, that's the essence of sin. 
And, and so confession to acknowledge God's perspective of sin, repentance is this idea of turning away. It's a military term of turning 180 degrees. So it's just like we just talked about. It's this idea of God being over here, sin being over here. To walk towards God, you have to turn your back on sin. To walk towards sin, you have to turn your back on God. So it's this idea of when, when we recognize sin in our life, which we do every day through the Holy Spirit, we're walking towards a sin and we say, oh, I realize that that's sin in my life. So it's this idea of God, I realize what I've just done. I confess it to you, and now I repent. So I turn from this sin in my life. It's not this, God, I'm, just, I'm, I'm sorry for what I did, um, you know, but I'm going to continue to do it. Maybe it's this idea of, I don't know, whatever the sin you can think of in your life is this idea of, of turning your back on it and walking towards God because to sin you have to take your eyes off God. And then it's this idea of forgiveness, which is beautiful. It's this idea of God saying, when you've been forgiven, it's been removed from you. Listen to this, 1 John 1, 9 from the text we just read. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's this idea of God says that he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, we repent, we've been forgiven. But Satan loves to trip us into this idea of living in condemnation. God, how many times have I heard this? God, I screw up, you know, I confess my sin, and I just hear this, hear this thing inside of me saying, how could God ever use you? How could God ever do that to you? And guess what? That, that is when I have to speak into my life, speak truth into my life, and say, Say this verse, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God sees you holy and blameless before him. When you confess your sin and you're walking with him, God sees this. And Satan uses this idea to say, God would never use you. And then, bam, hit him with Romans 8.1 that says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Or 1 John 3.19-22, which says, by this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before God. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. So it's this idea. That's a powerful verse. Love that verse. It's this idea of when our heart condemns us or when Satan uses anything to condemn us and say, God would never use you. God is greater than our heart. His grace is sufficient in your life. And, and I don't know where repentance got this such a bad rap. Like every, I remember the first time anybody ever told me to repentance, it's always like, turn or burn, repent. You know, and it's this idea of people seeing repentance as such a bad thing because they see the street preacher with the bullhorn and like the fire flames or whatever you see. But I want you to see is that repentance is a good thing. Acts 3.19 says, repent, therefore, turn again. So it's this continual process in our life of us seeing the sin in our life, constantly repenting. And, and he says, repent, therefore, turn again, and times of refreshing may come. And, and, and I go back to, I constantly ask myself, God, why would you not just take sin away from us when we begin to walk with you? And it's because he wants us to be dependent on him. Because when we're dependent on him, when we're confessing the sin, recognizing the sin in our life, responding to it, there's an intimacy about that because you know that you have to have God to do what you're going to do. And there's an intimacy there. And it's this idea of it leads you to a dependence. And when you're dependent on God and everything that you do, because you realize you're sinful and he's holy, then guess what? Everything you do is based around his ability through the Holy Spirit 
in you. And think about your thankfulness level. How does it go up all the time? Because it's like, God, how could you ever use somebody like me to do anything else? And it's this constant dependence of saying, God, I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for what you're doing in my life. And when you're dependent on God, there's no better place um, to be used by God. And and I want to wrap up this. I didn't want to give you all this cheesy New Year's resolution, let's go work out type of deal or something like that. I, I wanted, you know, I, I want to end with a verse. First um, John 2.28 is, is is kind of the verse the Lord led me to. It says, and now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. So I just want 2012 to be a year where we live for the return of Christ, where we don't shrink back from it as a church in my life personally. Like, I don't, I don't want that. Because here's what I know. When we're walking in the light, recognizing the sin in our life, responding to that sin, we're ready for God to come back because we know we're walking in the light. But here's what I know. Here's another thing. Here's the other side of it is when we're not recognizing and responding to the sin in our life, we don't want him to come back because we shrink in shame because of our sin. And it's this idea of, and I know I speak on behalf of the church um, staff and, and on behalf of everybody in the core of the church when, when we say we want to be known for the life change that the Spirit is doing in the lives of believers all throughout this church, the people within this church, more than we want to be known for a good service or a good band or a good preacher or for all these things. When people start talking more about the life change that's going on in Statesboro through through the church, We've hit it, man. It's not about a service and it's not about anything else. It's about, here, let me take a little pressure off y'all. Um, it's this idea of how good of a Christian you are does not draw anybody to Christ. The only thing that draws people to Christ in your life is the work of the Spirit in your life. So, so take, a, take pressure off yourself. It's, it's this work of the Spirit that draws people to yourself and and. Man, I just, I just want that, and I want to see. I, can't, I cannot wait. I long for the day to see a church that is, that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and going out and seeing God move in people's lives other than just a Sunday service. It's this idea of the Holy Spirit is never leaving us. Our life outside of Sunday is the same. And I can tell you this, and I'll speak on behalf of just things that I've seen and in, in, in with my friends, my family, with all this stuff is... The best thing to do for the people around you is they need to see real Christianity lived out. They need to see a relationship with Christ lived out. They need to see the Holy Spirit at work in your life way more than they need to see you going to church, way more than they need to see you going to a Bible study. They need to see God's work, the life change that's going on in your life. And and I say that and and with all my heart. So I just, I want to kind of close and close with this, this idea of, um, you know if God's doing a work in your life or not. If, if the Holy Spirit's in you, have your desires changed? Do you want to be like Christ? Is there a Holy Spirit work going on in your life? And, and I'd say this again, if, if God would rather you have the Holy Spirit today than come to church a million times and look good from the outside because his work that he wants to do in your life is dependent on this Holy Spirit. So we're just going to have a time where, where we can come before the Lord kind of old school. I'm old school. So, um, we're just going to open up the altar and, and, and know if, if 
if you know, and you know because your heart's probably beating 100 miles an hour right now, if, if God's not doing a work in your life, if, if the Holy Spirit, if, if there's no conviction of sin, if there's no change of desire of all this stuff, if that's going on in your life, come before God and ask him. Tell him, God, I want this work of the Spirit to go on in my life. I want for you to do a work through me. And, I mean, the other thing is, is maybe there's people in here who, aren't recognizing the sin in their life. Or maybe you are recognizing the sin in your life and you're not responding to it. Maybe you know that you're going towards sin as far as you can. you got your back turned on God and you're there. Here's an opportunity to come before God and just say, Lord, I want this work of the Spirit to go on in my life and I want to respond to the sin in my life and I want to live for your return in this. So let me pray for you, man. I just thank you guys for letting me share. But.